This morning we have two scripture passages. The first one comes in the book of Acts chapter 10. If you're following along in your Bibles, I will be reading verses 10 through 15. Acts chapter 10. You can also follow along on the screen behind me. Let us receive God's word for us this morning. He became hungry. He's talking about Peter. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Our second passage this morning comes to us from the letter of Galatians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 11 through 16. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to, to God. God. All right, you may be seated. At this time, the kids are dismissed to head back to Cove Kids. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for your holy word and for the opportunity we have this morning to worship you. We ask, God, that you would reveal yourself to us by the power of your word and the wisdom that uh, you have offered us within. We ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see our ears, that we would hear. Open our minds, that we would come to know and understand your word and indeed your, your will. Open our hearts, that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was interesting. It was about a year ago, and uh, I was... Uh, hanging out with some of the students in our Summit Youth Ministry, and, uh, and they had obviously uh, had enough of the fall to where they had started to bond together and connect together, and, uh, and, and, and in this space, they were having so much fun. We were uh, teaching on what it meant to welcome, uh, to welcome those that, uh, that were uh, on the outside, and one of the things that kind of uh, came to the surface was the students said uh, explicitly, um, but there's going to be so many new people that come when we open the building. 
And I said, yeah, you know, that's going to be great. It'll be an opportunity to welcome others in, to have more folks that'll come and be a part of this community, to learn what you've learned and to grow as you're growing. And they said, but, but we don't want anybody else. No, seriously, that's what they said. They said, we, we, uh, we, we like it just how it is. No more than who it is. And, 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 and it's as though they were running through their minds a list of who was, who, who was already on the inside. And they had in their mind also a list of some of those that were on the outside. And they, 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 they had, had it comfortable just like it was. And we had long conversations about, all right, all right, all right, all right. Is this, a, <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't the culture that we're working uh, uh, by the power of the Spirit to create. Let's talk about what this looks like. And, and I, I want you to know, though, that this isn't just a youth issue. This isn't just a, like, a, like a junior high and high school issue. This is an adult issue as well. Uh, we, we were in, in, in Bible study this Tuesday night, our Roman study. And, and this Roman study this fall has been profoundly transforming for me personally and 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 by witness of those that have been there as well for them as well and and as we've been journeying through Romans it has just been uh, week after week potent holy spirit filled moment after potent holy spirit filled moment as the as the word of god has been open to us in real and life transforming ways and at the end of the study uh, this last week i closed it with prayer and at the end of the prayer they said oh and someone said this is my favorite hour of the week and I was like wow that's a, that's a praise God that's fantastic and then another one said yeah what's going to happen when more people realize how awesome this is <laughs> and then someone else suggested what if we offered a, a secret handshake like you could not literally this was the way we need a secret handshake so you cannot get into bible study unless you know the secret handshake because now of course they were joking and, and they quickly said no, other people need to hear this, need to experience this because of the life-transforming work of the Holy Spirit that's happening in here. But, but we feel that, don't we? Uh, the, 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 the gap between inside and outside, the gap between those that, 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 are, that we know and that are known and those that we don't know and, and aren't known. And, and we drive uh, intentionally or unintentionally to, to be protective, to contain boundaries around those things with which we are familiar, which, with which we are comfortable, those things that allow us to feel stable. We don't welcome outsiders. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about, about church now. I'm talking about you and your life. In your life, you set up boundaries between yourself and the others in a number of ways and for a number of reasons. But I think those reasons are helpful for us to, to name. Because if we welcome others in, we might be uncomfortable. We, we are in, entirely comfortable in what is known, in, in our day-to-day -day rhythms and day-to-day -day lives. And, and, and if, we, if we allow ourselves to maintain the, this set known, then we will find comfort. But if we welcome others in, it might disrupt our lives and create discomfort. We're also afraid of instability. The more that, that we can have uh, this known reality maintained, the more kind of stable it's going to feel and the less, and the less shaky our lives are going to feel. And, 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 and by God, there's enough in this world to make us unhinged. So why would we want others impacting our stability? 
And that maybe one of the reasons that, that, that we don't welcome outsiders in is because that would make us lack control. We, we, we like control. Control is safe. And as long as I'm in control, then I'm dictating the circumstance. And as soon as I welcome others in, who knows what kind of baggage or impact they're going to have on me. And so we hold others off at arm's length, at a distance, because we're afraid, because it could be destabilizing, because it could be pushing us into spaces where we would be out of control. And that's exactly what was happening with the early church. The early church was, was in, this, in this new infancy stage. You know, uh, Jesus had taken on the cross. Jesus uh, had been raised from the dead. Jesus had witnessed to those uh, apostles and, and sent them out for the sake of the good news of Jesus. But, but things were beginning to happen that would question how they would be able to maintain their control and their stability and their order. And, and here we find this witness in Acts chapter 10. It's a witness of a man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is not a Jew, so automatically you could see something different is happening. Something destabilizing is happening. Cornelius is not a Jew. They call him a God-fearing man. He's a Roman centurion who has great authority and power over a battalion of of soldiers. And, And here in this space in Caesarea Maritima, that same space that we've talked about maybe a month or two ago where Paul was imprisoned and it was like a luxury prison by the sea. Caesarea Maritima is Caesarea by the sea and it overlooks the Mediterranean Sea. He is the Roman centurion over the entire ranks there in Caesarea. And here in this space, he's a God-fearing man, which, which means he believes in God, the one God, the God of Israel, but he has not converted to Judaism. However, he is living his life as a man who fears God and who's also received the testimony of Jesus and is serving the poor in his community. So this is a different sort of thing, right? Jesus is doing a new thing. It's not just Jesus with the apostles. It's not just Jesus with the Jews. It's now Jesus with a Roman centurion who's not converted to Judaism. And this is totally outside the bounds of what's known. And the Lord gives him a vision. The Lord Lord calls uh, to... The Lord calls to Cornelius in a vision, and and, and an angel shows up in this vision, and the angel says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to get Simon called Peter to come to you. Here's where you're going to find him. Go to Joppa, send men to Joppa, and they're going to find Simon called Peter in the house of Simon the Tanner, because this isn't confusing at all. And when they find him, bring him to you, and he's going to offer the word of the Lord to you. Okay? Like, does this make sense to you? If a vision from the Lord comes to you with the power of an angel and says, I need you to send people 15 miles away to go to some random's house to ask if some random is there, to tell that random to come to your house and bring the word. This is literally what happened, except for there were no cars, 
Okay, so, so here's the deal. The Roman centurion sends his lead folks, one of whom is identified as also a God-fearing man, to go to Simon the Tanner's house. And, and as they're going, another vision of the Lord comes. But this time, not to Cornelius, to Peter. In a matter of days, two visions, one to Cornelius and now one to Peter. But, but here's the interesting thing about Peter's vision. Peter's vision is, uh, is, is a hangry vision. This dude is hungry, okay? Now, now, I want you to think like super duper hungry where all of a sudden like you just ain't thinking right. That's what's happening to Peter. And, and in the midst of his hanger pains, he has a vision of the Lord. It says he's put into a trance. And he's just seeing like steak and bacon and fried shrimp oh and turkey like it so no so so here's the thing he has this vision and in this vision there is a sheet that comes out of heaven and on this sheet are all of these types of animals that he has forsaken as unclean and impure All these things that he has said from the time of his childhood, these things are outside of the bounds of what is acceptable. If I want to follow the Lord, these are not allowed. And it comes down from heaven, and the word of the Lord comes to him clearly and says, go kill these animals, cook them, and eat them. And he says, will not do, not I. You think you could convince me so easily in my hanger pains? You will not, because I am yet a faithful Jew. I have not had any of these things my entire life, nor will I have them today. And the word of God says, who the heck do you think you are? No, that's, that's, that's how I translate it. That's the translation of Jason Burnham. Who do you think you are? If I tell you that they're clean, how are you going to tell me, God Almighty, that they're unclean? And so... Peter says, huh? This is is new. This This is different. So God tells him again, take, eat. If I make something clean, if I make something pure, who are you to reject it? Know your place in the midst of this. You who think that you have it all together. You who think that you have, have, have unlocked the keys and the codes of purity and wholeness and wellness. No, it's not about you. It's all about me. And if I've done this, then receive it. Man, that's a, that's a totally different way of seeing things and then the lord actually calls him a third time because peter has awakenings when things happen a third time right so so the thing happened the third time the lord called him to it uh in in verse 16 and then peter is awakened from his trance all right i want i want i have to back up a second so that we can grasp the weirdness about of what's about to happen in God's word. So Peter's in Joppa, which is on the coast south of uh, Caesarea Maritima, uh, and he's not in Jerusalem, which should seem odd to us. Why is Peter not in Jerusalem? 
like all his boys are in Jerusalem, or at least used to be in Jerusalem. See, what happened here is, is Paul, before he, uh, when he was formally Saul, before he became a Christian, was killing folk that believed in Jesus in Jerusalem. Particularly, he killed Stephen publicly. And whenever he killed Stephen, many of, most of, the apostles fled and went all over to the west and to the north. Okay? Well, this is why we find Peter where we find Peter. Peter's not in Jerusalem because he's in Joppa, because Stephen was killed and he was afraid of his life. You see what I'm saying? So now a Roman comes to knock on his door as soon as he wakes up from this trance and says, you're coming with me. A Roman soldier, actually a few Roman soldiers, knock on his door and say, come with me now. That would not be a comforting feeling for a man that is fleeing for his life from oppression and people that are trying to kill him. And yet, because he just received this vision of the Lord, he says, well, what's the deal? And they say, hey, my master Cornelius, he's a centurion. He's, and, and Peter's like, I know who, I know who Cornelius is. And, uh, and, and, and somehow, some way, the Spirit of the Lord causes Peter to, uh, to step forward and say, yes, I'll go. And so they, they spend the night there in Joppa. They move uh, then from Joppa up the coast to Caesarea. And when they arrive in Caesarea, uh, Peter, Peter has this moment. Uh, it, it comes in chapter 10, verse 28. He's entering in the house of a Gentile. And, 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 and all of the sudden, it like strikes him clearly. It's like, it's like, hey, I want to announce to everyone here that what's about to happen is really different for me. Because the word of the Lord told me from the very time I was a child that I'm not supposed to associate with any of you. You're on the outside, I'm on the inside. You're Gentiles and I'm Jews. And the word tells me that I'm not supposed to be with you. I'm not supposed to enter your houses. I'm not supposed to connect with you. And yet I find myself here. Okay? Because God has shown me that it's up to God who, who is clean and un, unclean and who is pure and, 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 and impure and and God invited me here, and so I'm here. Why am I here? That, that's, a, that's a good and fair question for, for Peter to ask. And so Cornelius begins to share. He shares, he shares what his vision is. He shares how, how the Lord had, had sent an angel to him and how the Lord had invited him into this space of, of, of calling Simon Peter to come and be present with him. And, and Cornelius concludes the entire statement in this way. Uh, in, verse, in verse 33, he says, So I sent for you immediately, all right? And it's good of you to come. Now here, here's what we want. We're all here. I've gathered everyone together. My entire, uh, the entire body underneath my command is all gathered. We're going to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Whatever the Lord gives you as a word to us, we're ready to receive it now. As pastors were taught, always be ready to pray, preach, or die. All right? 
So I'm going to put that on you as well, brothers and sisters. Some of you don't like praying aloud in public. Some of you ain't ready to preach. But here's an example of a time that the Lord just raised up someone and said, it's time to preach. Bring the word. And so he does. He offers a tremendous gospel-centered sermon to the people of Caesarea Maritima. And, and, he, and he teaches them uh, what it means to follow Jesus. And he tells them about the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and as the sermon is moving, he comes to the hoop, to the conclusion of his sermon. And he, he says in verse 50, uh, 42 uh, that, that Jesus, the resurrected Lord, came to me and, and came to the other apostles. And he told us that we had to preach to people, to testify to people. We had to invite them in so that they would know the living living God, and that Jesus has been appointed as judge over the living and the dead, as judge over all creation. And all the prophets, all of the Jewish wisdom that I had ever learned, all pointed to Jesus. And here's the thing for you and for me, for all of the world, not just for the Jews, but also for you, the Gentiles. All that it takes is for you to receive forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus. Everything has been prepared. Forgiveness of sin through the name of Jesus. Do you have faith? Are you ready to believe? And as he's preaching, the Holy Spirit just drops. And, and, and the Holy Spirit, he's, he's still preaching. And the Holy Spirit falls on all of these Gentiles that had been invited by Cornelius into this space. And the Holy Spirit is moving and their, their hearts are being transformed and they're being convicted and they're, and they're speaking in tongues and they're proclaiming the news to one another because the gospel is flowing not just from one to many but from one to each other and many to many. And all are proclaiming the word to each other. And Peter sees what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives and, and he, he, he proclaims uh, aloud. He says, how can anyone keep these people from being baptized? This is exactly what the gospel is for. It's not just for those on the inside. It's not just for the Jews. It's for everyone. If the Holy Spirit would come on them, how can I tell God to stop what he's doing? No, I'm going to come alongside the work of God. And I'm going to baptize these people in the name of Jesus Christ. Man, to hear Peter's message that day and to witness the joy of an entire community coming to faith in Jesus. And, and word of what happened in Caesarea starts to like just spread like wildfire. You can imagine like, like, like everybody is like telling everybody. And as they're traveling, the word gets back to Jerusalem. And the people in Jerusalem are indignant. They are. We, the people of Jerusalem that believe in Jesus, we have, we have Jesus and Gentiles don't. Peter, what are you doing and, and, and I imagine it, the word of God doesn't say this, I imagine it almost like a summons, uh, like, like, like Peter gets a letter in Caesarea, you have been summoned to the council of Jerusalem to be judged for your foolishness of giving people Jesus. And, and, and so he goes to Jerusalem, and he tells the, the people in Jerusalem this entire story 
He tells them of his vision. He tells them of Cornelius' vision. He tells them of going to Caesarea. He tells them of his sermon. He tells them of the Holy Spirit falling. He tells them of the baptism. And then at the end of it, uh, as, as he tells the people of Jerusalem this, uh, they, they say, all right, when we've heard this, there are no further objections. And they all praised God. And, and, and then they said, so even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is now a new conclusion of the church. There is repentance that leads to life, not just for Jews, but also for Gentiles, not just for insiders, but also for outsiders. For everyone, everywhere, there is repentance that leads to life in Jesus Christ. And I want, you, I want you to think about that as though we've just tied a bow on it and everybody lived happily ever after. As though we have, we have actually marked the end of division amongst the people of God. Rest in that for just a minute. Let's imagine it and wish it were so. But there's one problem. Humans are inherently broken and sinful creatures. And over and over again, we miss the call of the Lord. Even when we know what the call of the Lord is, we miss it. And so here's what happens. There's this new church that's formed in Antioch. Brand new church. This is part of, part of the dispersion. So, so Peter ended up in Joppa and then went and planted a church in Caesarea. Uh, well, well there, there, there were some that landed in Antioch, which is even further north. And, and there in Antioch, they, they became known as Christians for the very first time. Gentiles came to Christ, and, and so then Paul and Barnabas both arrived there and were pastors in Antioch, and they planted this church. And, and, and out of Antioch then, uh, they send Paul uh, to go on his first missionary journey. And he goes away, and this church in Antioch is still there. But, but they go away, and he goes all, he, he sails to Cyprus, and then sails to, uh, to Turkey, and then goes up through Turkey, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and then back, and he lands back in Antioch. And do you know what he finds when he gets back to Antioch? The same argument that Peter had in Jerusalem. So here's the deal. Some of the people from this pharisaic way of believing that thought that in order to become a christian you had to become a jew first that you had to go through the law in order to get grace you had to go through the law in order to get grace they resolved it in jerusalem but then they transported that conflict of conversation i guess there were still some dissenters there because they transported that conflict now to to antioch and, and so at the beginning, uh, it, it says certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, and they're teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. Salvation is not yours. You cannot be saved by grace through faith unless you are circumcised. And, and so, so, so Paul's back, and he and Barnabas are there, and even Barnabas is beginning to, to, to be uh, conflicted and, and shy away from, the, from, from what he has just experienced about all the Gentiles on their first missionary journey coming to Christ. And, and we need to actually skip over to Galatians chapter 2, because this is where it falls in the timeline. Uh, Acts 15, 1, come to Galatians 2, and, and here you see that, that Paul had... had, had uh, stood up in the middle of everyone and called Peter out. Ooh. Peter, who was the one who had the vision, Peter, who was the one that proclaimed the gospel that allowed for the Gentiles to come to faith, Peter, who was the one that testified to that in Jerusalem, even he, 
who had experienced the spiritual conviction that there are no outsiders and insiders, but there's only grace in Jesus Christ, he, even he, came to Antioch and experienced peer pressure for brokenness and sin and was shying away from that gospel testimony. And so Paul stood up in front of them and he called Peter out. And he said, you have come to know the good news in Jesus. You have seen Gentiles be converted, and now you're acting like a fraud. If you would only hold to the conviction of your faith that the Holy Spirit had given you, then none of this would be happening. So I'm here to tell you, Peter says, that, that, that we're not Jews by, uh, that we who are Jews by birth, uh, we know that, that, that the law never justified anyone. That all the law did was remind us of how sinful and broken we are. So if we want people to be led to justification, why would we lead them to the law first? We don't need to lead them through the law because all we need to do is show them grace in Jesus Christ. Because if they would come to know Jesus, then they would come to know justification. No one is justified by the law but only through Jesus Christ. So Paul gives this articulate word, and, and the conflict in Antioch, where does it need to go? It does need to go away, but it has the same exact outcome that happened in Caesarea. It had to go back to Jerusalem for the people of Jerusalem to reconcile this thing. And so they reconcile it a second time. Paul and Peter who has just been publicly rebuked by Paul, go to Jerusalem, and here in this space, who is now the spokesperson for the Gentiles being believers by their faith in the grace that we have in Jesus? We would think that it would be Paul, because Paul was just the one that rebuked Peter. But no, it's Peter who's been restored to the faith by Paul, who becomes a spokesperson yet again. And in Acts chapter 15, they come to a clear understanding as the people of God in Jerusalem again, that, that no, there is no longer outsiders and insiders. No, there are not those that, 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 that are coming to this from the Jewish faith, uh, and that, that means they're acceptable, and those that are Gentiles, that means they're unacceptable. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we're saved, just as they are. The law didn't save us. The law didn't save them. It's all by the grace we have in Jesus. And so in order to, to tie a bow on it, this time a bow is actually tied. The people in Jerusalem, they come and they say, well, obviously our word uh, and the judgment of the leaders of the church of Jesus Christ who have been appointed apostles, uh, obviously that word has not gone out throughout all of, uh, of the, uh, the Jesus-following Christian community. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to write a letter, and they wrote it down, and they sent it out to the ends of the earth so that in every Christian community they came to, they read the letter that said, we are no longer Jew nor Gentile, we are Christians. 
you do not go through the law to grace, but you come to grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so what does this have to do with with us? With you and, and with me? We as the people of God, as the church, find ourselves in in, in these same circumstances, maybe we find ourselves in Peter's circumstance most often. Ones who know it, who've experienced it, know it to be true, and yet we backslide. We feel pressure from sin and temptation, and, and we then build new walls of hostility against our neighbors, against our brothers and sisters, against those that we would deem outside. That is not the gospel message, and yet there is a redemptive word from God here for us, Peter's, that even if we fall short, we can still be used to offer a word of truth to the world. This truth is a truth that graces for everyone, and, and, and that, that it just starts with an acknowledgement of sin and of brokenness. And, 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 and then it leads to repentance, and then we receive the Holy Spirit and, and of baptism. And, and this is a simple process that does not require adherence to the law in order to move into grace, but, but grace abounds all the more. This is, this is where we find ourselves, brothers and sisters. There, there are churches today, and, and we've even had considerations of this here at Covenant, that, that say, no, you can't become a Christian until you have like this adult catechism, that, that this two or three three-year-long journey where, where you have to know all of this stuff in order to become a Christian. And, and I'm here to tell you that that's not the gospel. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to understand it all to come to grace in Jesus Christ. It's by faith alone that that's accomplished. And we here at Covenant, we have a confirmation class. And I believe confirmation is good and holy, uh, but, but it is not uh, the only way to salvation. In fact, it's only designed to create a culture through which people are coming to an awareness that a decision is offered to them, that there's an opportunity for them to respond. You see, you don't need confirmation. You don't need catechism. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've always felt like you were on the outside, like you weren't welcome, like there was a boundary or a barrier between you and Jesus. That barrier does not exist. All you have to do today is say, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, just like everyone else in this room, just like everyone in this world, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you say today, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I repent. I don't want to be bound by sin anymore. I don't want evil to any longer have control over me. I don't want to, to, to bow to the wickedness of this world. I'm ready to offer my life to Jesus. I'm ready to give myself full to him. I'm ready to say sin no longer has control on me. I am free from those chains and I'm ready to follow Jesus with all that I am and all that I have. If you're ready to say that today, that's it. That's all it is. Grace is there for you. The Holy Spirit will be baptizing you and you will be ready to profess your faith. And, and if you have that happening in your life today, if you want to, to come forward and talk to me about it, I'm ready to pray with you. I'm ready to bless you. I'm ready to baptize you. Brothers and sisters, there is no barrier that we can create as the church because it's not up to us. It's all up to God. And who God has made pure 
is not for me to say, but God is the one who's doing it, brothers and sisters. We all are sinful, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Repent and be baptized and know the saving grace that is there for you and for me. That it's not just for us, but it's for all the world. Glory to God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks for this holy word, this story of wisdom and truth that that teaches us who you are and who we are in you. We ask God that you would transform our hearts to see everyone we come in contact with, no matter matter who they are or where they're from, to see them with your eyes and with your heart and know that grace is there for them as well. And so we ask God that you would be, be, uh, be glorified in this space and that your gospel would be magnified through us in the world. We ask God that you would meet with us now by the power of your spirit. Convict us, Lord, we pray so that we would no longer uh, live by our own means or by, or, or, or by some, some code that, that, that compels us to reject the truth that we have in you. But Lord, help us to know that you are God and we are not. And so we give you glory for the grace that we know in your son Jesus.